Good morning, Vietnam! Hello and welcome to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. What was that? I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I am joined today with the genie from Aladdin himself, Peter Mayo. Oh, I wish I knew you were going to say that because I would have had a good genie impression. Well, go ahead. Turn blue and then sing a song. I'm a good genie. I don't have any good genie impressions. (laughs) That's a problem. And then over across from me, I have Peter Pan herself from the movie Hook, and that is Melissa Kavanagh. She never ages. Never, ever, ever. Howdy. And then rounding out our Robin Williams (laughs) characters today is the one and only Misha Bukikyo, who has to be Mrs. Doubtfire. So I didn't or t- Julia Child. <laughs> it could go either way. So I didn't tell you guys I was doing this Ron Williams thing today. Do you want to know why? Yes. So I was tell. I was looking at the stats of our wonderful podcast, and we've got over twenty five thousand listeners now. It's, it's ridiculous. Was any of them Robin Williams? Um, I, we probably started after he died. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't remember when he he passed. But uh, no, I was looking at the countries, and we got listeners from Vietnam. So. Wow. That, that Hence the Good Morning Vietnam reference. Oh. Ah. So it all comes together now. Everyone in the room and listening at home is now in on the inside joke. So anyway, we are a podcast of hotels and stuff, and we talk about how to market your hotel, and we're going to be doing that today and focusing on what we still believe is the number one form of marketing you can do for independent hotels especially, which is email marketing. And we're going to be talking about two aspects of that personalization and automation but before we get into that children what's going on in the news pete there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in the news a lot of it seems to be revolving around google so the first one we have is a skift article and it relates to google is now starting to test vacation rentals in the their price comparison tool the gha type area of the site where you can see individual hotel prices it's really interesting right now the test has only been seen in europe i think primarily in paris if i'm not mistaken but what they're doing is they're showing vacation rental prices in line with hotel prices right on the cert page which is pretty interesting one thing that's even more interesting than that is it appears that they're pulling the inventory from either booking.com or hotels.com but not from Airbnb or any of those other types yet. of services. I would say yet. yet. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big move to, to, you know, obviously a lot of the OTAs have kind of got into the vacation rental space in recent years. They've, they've made some strategic acquisitions to get into that space. And it, it's only a matter of time before this alternative inventory is going to show up as a competitor in the SERP with um, the hotels. So what, what keywords is this running on? Do we know? There's a variety of them. So, for instance, they found them in hotels in Rome. Was showing it. Uh, oddly enough, a lot of times if you do searches like the vacation, is that rent- is that Rome, Paris? Yeah, in Rome, Paris. Yeah. <laughs> there was a few examples well, in the yeah. article. The, the other okay. ones that it's, they were looking for is specifically like vacation rentals in Paris. Oddly enough, did okay. not show up the, ter- the vacation rentals in the results. Hmm. So it's kind of odd that it wasn't what you'd expect it to be under. But they're really going after the specific hotel related But what's terms. interesting, right, is a vacation rental is very different product than a hotel, right? So is Google accelerating the or, or exacerbating the frustration that hotels are feeling from this threat from really an unfair competition from places like Airbnb where they're not being taxed the same. They don't have the same regulations. They're not being held to the same standard. I'm all for choice for the consumer, don't get me wrong, but I feel like it has to have a level playing field. But now if people are searching for specifically hotels and they're seeing non-hotel inventory, to me that that is going above and beyond Google's mandate, personally, I think. I agree with what you're saying. That I think that that is a confusing search result for the user. I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. I feel like it's... I'm not surprised that they are moving in, into the vacation rental space. I feel like we've been saying for a while it's only a matter of time. I think we were wondering how and where they were going to pull that inventory from, but given that they're pulling it from OTA sites that kind of have several um, inventory places that they pull from, makes sense. I'm confused 
like you guys are about why they're showing it for hotel queries. I agree that it's not necessarily the best thing for hotels. Like if I were a hotel and I'm seeing people given the option for vacation rentals, I'd be a little confused and concerned about that. But as a consumer, I kind of personally don't mind. I mean, I'm in the process of planning a trip right now. So I personally like the the thought of them presenting, okay, you do have hotels, but there's also vacation rentals in the area. So I don't necessarily agree from a consumer perspective that it's but not But are the they really a completely different product well but uh, top line i'm going to be someplace i don't live i need a place to sleep yeah yeah and in europe is that more acceptable to do something like the not that they're showing airbnb inventory but the airbnb yeah. model there versus a well and you, you know, think about in the States. places like um sites like airbnb you know it's not necessarily a house rental you have condo rentals right. that might be in the same building mm-hmm. as a hotel so it does there are, the lines are gray yeah. as to what the definition of a vacation rental is yeah and it's not like you're you know it's not like you're searching for flights and they're showing you rental cars right mm-hmm. it's more like you're searching for flights and they're not just showing you regular commuter flights but they're showing you charters as well that are flying to the same place so so it you're right in that it is a head a place for a head to sleep right but i don't know i, I think we need to keep an eye on this because if it does expand and if they do get aggressive and we do see that it, it's an opportunity for folks like Airbnb to get more exposure because really it's such a small percentage overall of the market right now uh, in terms of total travel. But things like this are going to just accelerate its exposure. There's a lot of people still don't even haven't even heard of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone considered staying with one. So this this I feel exposure like definitely is definitely ruffling some feathers. Yeah, but Google doesn't care. I mean, they're there to ruffle feathers. They're working with one of the do no biggest... evil. What happened to that? This is kind of evil. Yeah, but they're also organizing the world's information. Well, this is true you know, in a way. I mean, to me, it seems like what they're doing is they're partnering with one of the biggest advertisers that they have through the OTAs mm-hmm. to give them more search real estate. Well, that's the other part of this to equation we haven't talked about, though, right? Right. At the end of the day, this is the OTAs that are doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're exactly right. These, these guys who are, are really trying right now to overcome a lot of heat from the hotel industry in general. You look at Expedia and the push they just rolled out Rev Plus in Europe, mm-hmm. right? Which has been going pretty well here. Moves like that say they're trying to get more in bed with the hotel industry. They want to ingratiate themselves more and cut out this frenemy kind of situation, but. If, if they're now leveraging their non-hotel inventory in a way that is competitive with hotels, that that's like a big question mark for me. Hmm. Hmm. Should we move on? What's next? I'll do the next one. Okay. Uh, this is a blog post from iQuant.com, and it is what Booking.com can teach us about A-B testing strategy. This was a pretty interesting article, and iQuant, for those who have never heard of this company, which honestly I hadn't until recently, they do not eye tracking per se software, but they use machine learning algorithms to basically figure out heat maps on your website, similar to eye tracking, but without the eye tracking. So that is uh, their perspective on life. And they are looking at Booking.com's homepage, and their stipulation is that Booking.com is one of the most highly A-B tested sites out there. And they do tiny, small fraction tests, and they test one element at a time, which is something that we are very strong believers in. Um, And their takeaway, though, is by doing this, they may be missing the boat of some big conversion rate jumps by doing a big test versus iterative smaller tests. I thought this is an interesting perspective. I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with it, but it's interesting to think about. Now, if you look at booking.com's homepage, it's clear to me what the big call to action is, but they're saying that according to their software, it's a very cluttered homepage and that your eye isn't necessarily drawn to you know, the big giant search widget that is front and center. And I I have mixed feelings about that, about how accurate maybe that is or isn't. I think that if you are on Booking.com's homepage, you got there because you went to Booking.com and you know what it is and you know that you're going to go search for a flight or a hotel and that's what you're there to do. Go put your stuff in the big yellow box. Press well, search. It's an assumption, <laughs> though. It's a, Yes, it is an assumption. 
Yeah. I it, Yeah, it's an interesting article because because of what they they're saying about booking.com being so aggressive with AB testing and it shows, you know, booking.com has the best user interface from a booking conversion standpoint. Period. Better than anyone else's. I would say a very close second is the guest desk booking engine by Fuel Travel, <laughs> which is a great booking engine if anyone's interested. But booking.com is, is flawless in, in that it does so many smart things, little nudges in the right positive direction towards conversion from assurance and social proof and fear of missing out. All these psychological tricks that we talk about a lot on the show, booking.com does it in a very, very succinct but effective way. And, and the only way they've gotten to that point is because they've done a lot of testing to see what works. So I don't necessarily agree that they're missing out because I would bet good money that the conversion rate on booking.com is, is really is good, really good yeah. better than almost anyone else, right? So they're doing a great job. I think the takeaway from me is that it takes testing to get to a good user interface. When we just apply our own opinions and assumptions, we're going to potentially miss out on conversions and bookings. So everyone listening at home, big or small, you need to be constantly running AB or multivariate tests on your website all the time. And it's not that expensive anymore. You can go get Visual Website Optimizer or, or there's some other Optimizely for not a whole lot of money. Or Google for or free. Or Google for free, which is a much better product today than it was two years ago. Uh, so, but it's it's... Applying the scientific method, right? Coming up with a hypothesis in improving that or disproving that hypothesis with simple iterative tests one at a time and you give them enough time to, to get statistically significant results. Yeah, I agree with you know everything that you guys have touched on so far, but I also think something in the article that, that it pointed out is to a degree, especially if you do happen to have a smaller website, there are a finite amount of things you can test. And this kind of touches on like you, you do or you could hypothetically at some point reach like the optimum level of optimization for your current site. So instead of just assuming like this is as good as it's ever going to be that versus testing a radical redesign, which is kind of what they go through in this article, you know, don't assume just because you're like, okay, we've got a 10% conversion rate. We've tested everything we can test. This is as good as it's ever going to be, you know, thinking outside of the box and saying, okay, this is as good as it is now. What if we did something totally different? And just because you, you know, are interested in a redesign doesn't mean you have to roll it out to every single one of your people overnight. I mean, that's why it's called a test, you right. know? Yeah. One thing that I came back with one is these guys are pretty audacious in that they went ahead and redid the booking.com oh. website said, Hey, this is how you're supposed to look. You know, that's, that's a pretty big statement to make and we'll see kind of, kind of how that comes out. But yeah. I mean, you know, I, it'd be cool if booking.com said, okay, yeah. you know what? I'll take your challenge. Like clearly booking.com is making <laughs> money. Like they're doing, clearly they're doing okay. But I mean, I kind of agree with, I personally find it very cluttered. Maybe that's just me. I do personally prefer the, the mock-up that they provided. That's a lot more straightforward. So, but it's so hard. Like we just finished relaunching, you know, a pretty giant portal and trying to figure out what you keep what you get rid of on a redesign because all the iterative testing that you did on the old site, you kind of have to retest it all, you know? So launching yeah. a brand new site is not only are you launching a new site and you're testing it against the site that you've really diligently optimized. It, it creates, it's very hard for that new site to win. Right. And it's tough, right? Because, because the purpose of a redesign isn't always, just singular. It, it's not just to improve the conversion rate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes architecturally, you need to bring a site to the 21st century. You need to make sure it's more mobile friendly than its predecessor. Uh, you, there's a lot of reasons. Technically, you might want to overhaul the complete architecture under the hood. So there's a lot of reasons why you might want to go rebuild a website from scratch. And I agree 100%. You shouldn't be bound too tightly by the previous site and, and what you've learned because when you change the colors, change the layout, change a lot of what you've proven or disproven with your previous tests is now moot. It, it doesn't have any relevance. So you do have to kind of go back to the drawing board and start retesting and re make, making new assumptions and try to prove or disprove those. So yeah. Moral to the story, Melissa. Always be testing. There you go. <laughs> All right. What's the third? The third one I have is another Google update. This is um, full disclosure. This is not something that's 
brand new, but um, it came out a few weeks ago. This article is from searchengineland.com, and it was posted on June 22nd, so it is about a month old. Um, but it came out, and people kind of muttered about it for a little bit, like a second, and then went back to their daily lives. Um, the title is Google Posts Now Live for All Google My Business Users. I'll be honest, when this rolled out, I think the general consensus in the industry was, okay, great, another iteration of Google Plus. We'll go back to not worrying about it because we all saw how well Google Plus went and how many people currently use Google Plus. But I've been seeing this out in the wild and it's actually taking up some space on the search engine results pages. So I wanted to bring it up and mention it just as a point um, for you with your hotel and your My Business page to start testing this. So what this is, is it almost looks like on the search engine results pages, like a little social media feed. This is not a feed from Facebook. Don't, um, don't get that confused. It's hosted in your Google My Business page. When you log in, you'll see a new um, little area on the left-hand column. It says posts, and then you can click in there and create a post. So you can post a video, you can post something that's just text, you can post a picture, and then what this does is it posts it to your page. And then from a search engine perspective, which is really the important part here, this shows up on desktop and mobile search results that are specific for your brand. I haven't seen this yet for any hotels um, that we've been working with, but I have seen it for um, some other industries. And it shows up, um, I'm looking at it at desktop on the moment, on the right-hand column where you see all your local information. And it looks just like a little, like a Facebook post or something that you would see. The one I'm looking at happens to be for fishing, so it has a girl holding a fish and it says um, it's promoting like a summer deal. So this should be something that's on your radar. You should definitely be testing this. One thing to note as well is that the, the posts expire within a week, so they disappear from your page. Um, well, I don't know if they disappear from your page, but they won't show up on the um, SERP. Yeah. On the SERP. Mm-hmm. So just keeping that in mind that it is very timely. So definitely test this out. Um, also in the article, you can check out what it looks like on mobile. Um, it looks like it's almost like little a scrolling carousel that you can scroll through the posts and then click to interact with them. So you can so, have multiple posts show up at yeah. the time, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. I admittedly didn't pay enough attention to this when it came out just because again i did what i'm not supposed to do and made an assumption that it wouldn't be anything to pay attention to but people are using this i haven't seen it very widespread yet but i think now is the time to definitely get in while people aren't super prominent in this space yet okay every everyone that listens to this podcast that they're, they're, they're studious and diligent about their marketing calendars right because we taught them again and again you got to have an organization to your marketing you got to have a marketing content calendar Add this as a minimum as a weekly or preferably a two or three times a week that you're going to go into your Google My Business page and you're going to add a post. And and it can be promotional, um, informational, whatever. But make sure anytime you can take up real estate on the SERP, this is going to be a win for you. So this is really interesting that Google's going this route because they've spent so much time really thinking through an entire social platform with Google+. And, And it really didn't pay off. I know a lot of people are still posting to Google Plus just because of the the perceived search engine benefits and the fact that your content gets indexed faster that way, which is great. But people as a social platform aren't really using it. But this, this is a build on to something that everybody uses and doesn't realize they use, which is Google My Business. So whenever you do any kind of search for any business now, especially on a mobile device, the majority of the search page SERP is going to be right below the ads is going to be this Google My Business section, which is for me personally, that's what I use primarily now on mobile, mm-hmm. especially. So getting more real estate on that is is phenomenal opportunity, right? So go out and, and just experiment with it. It may not be showing up yet, but at some point it will. And the more people are using it in the vertical of hotels, the more likely it's going to show up on SERP. So this is a great thing, I think, for the individual brands who are trying to compete with the non-brands on SERP and search engines, results pages. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially from such a top level. I mean, obviously this is showing up for branded searches, but just because they search for your brand, they might not be very familiar with you. So getting that much real estate and being able to showcase, let's say you're a hotel and they're kind of looking through and, you know, they see you've got this post up with a fantastic picture and a a link to a, a special. You know, that's something that they is inside your website they don't even have to go there to see it it's right there on the SERP so it's kind of a no-brainer for me the other thing to look at as well is Google's trying really hard to get into the payment space you know they've done more and more 
kind of iterative improvements to their wallet systems and wanting to compete with, you know, the Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, and all the other, you know, Android platforms that are out there, they're pushing that hard. And it gives, if it gives you the opportunity to have more space on the SERP, you have to do it. Honestly, I mean, we kind of all joke about Google+, Plus, but it's the same recommendation we would have made when Google+, Plus first came out. If Google's putting their weight behind something, oh, yeah. you can get first mover advantage by being a part of it. Whether it's a long-term success or not, you kind of have to be there, and you need to make sure that you're focusing on it. I'm going to say my favorite word, arbitrage. If you're an early adopter on anything Google's doing, you tend to benefit from that. You're exactly right. So jump on this 100%. It's not going to take you a ton of time. You don't have to completely reboot your marketing strategy. It's literally going to take you less than 10 minutes a week. Add it to your calendar. Start doing it right away. Well, I'll tell you what. If I can show all of our listeners how they can save 10 minutes a week, then this podcast will give them something new to do and will save them time so it'll be a wash. So we're going to do that? Segway? Segway? Yeah, so today what we're going to talk about is... One, how we can make our guests more happy. Two, how we can make more money from our guest. And three, how we can save time doing all that. So if those three things sound good, keep listening. So if not, fast forward and listen to a little Easter egg at the bottom. high level that you need to reach in this episode. What it a, is. What a tease. <laughs> so, and yeah. just so everyone listening at home knows, this is all Pete's episode. He did all the notes for this himself. So... If it's if it's amazing, tell him great job. If it completely bombs, then you know who to blame as well. Yep. You can find me at Stuart Butler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to start so, out by talk, we're talking about two things, right? One is personalization, yeah. the next is automation. Yeah. With, really what we're talking about is email marketing. You know, at a broad level and how we can be more effective communicating with our guests, but then also how we can set some tools up to make that process work on its own. So we kind of did, you're right, sort of break it into two parts. Part one being personalizing our emails, and then part two, setting up some really awesome triggers that will send themselves, that will save that Set 10 minutes. Set and forget it, yeah. So Pete, why don't you start by telling us why should we personalize our emails? Is there a benefit to doing such a thing? No. There's a big benefit. Uh, if we just look at it from a stats perspective, you can improve, this is on average, and we've seen this in the hotel space as well, you improve your open rates by over 30% by having a subject line personalized, and you're improving your click rate by well over 10, 15% by having personalized content within the body of your message. Now, we know that's not necessarily the metrics that we all want to live and die by in terms of email marketing. We really need to look at conversion rate, revenue generated, and so on, but Everybody has different specials that they're promoting. Sometimes specials aren't that great. So at this level, we're kind of just looking at how we can get that person to, one, interact with your message from a subject line perspective, and then two, how we can get them through the email onto your website or booking engine as efficiently as possible. So if you're not personalizing, you have to start. Exactly, 100%. So let's talk about like just basic level personalization. So yep. give us some examples of that. So basic personalization, that's something like the subject line might be, hi, Jack, our resort has great deals. Or did you know that the Smith family can save 30%? You know Just, what's funny? When I read through your notes and I first saw I saw hijack, like I read it as a one word, like hijack. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but hi, comma, Jack. Yes. Well, this is why grammar is important. Yes. All right, keep going. All right, so before we even begin, like personalizing within the email there's one very important thing to remember if you don't have the data you can't personalize so make sure on your site as you're collecting customer information when people book at your property that 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 information is going into your email database or a database that you can reference when sending messages and remember you don't have to go for the kill right away you don't have to collect every piece of information the first time you get an email address we've seen a lot of success with um, first-time visitor pop-ups or delayed pop-ups on websites you don't want to ask them everything at that point right you just want to get them into your funnel right just get an email address an address at that address at that point at that point i get them later on with messages just to solicit more information hey 
we'd like to serve you better. Tell us what your zip code is, stuff like that. Or why did, why are you interested in our property? What brings you to our city? Stuff like that while they, when they've made a booking. So you can build that information, that intelligence over time. You don't have to do it all in one shot. Yeah, I mean, the, the first personalized message that a person might receive, let's say it's the welcome message. <clears throat> you may only know that person's email address and maybe their first name. But as you work on building that information, you know, your basic personalization, this is still on the basic side, but can talk about the room that that person was interested or the place they stayed last year. You know, did you know, like for instance, hey, Stuart, did you know that the oceanfront suite is available for these dates? You know, using your guest history to better solicit people to get them back to the property. Yeah, it could be package that they bought. You know, they might mm-hmm. have, may have bought a romance package or a vacation, family vacation package. You can imply some certain things from yep. that, and that can help you with your messaging as well. Yeah, I mean, really, base, any basic level personalization, think of it as things that you can do with your current database and your the current information that you already have. And if nothing else, like Pete said, start at the top of the funnel with subject line. You know, hi, Jack, or hi, Pete, in the subject line, and just see what impact it has, and be sure to... A-B test that. If you, if, if you're, Hopefully your email platform allows you to A-B test and send 10% the non-personalized version, 10% the personalized version, and whichever one wins, send the remaining 80%. Mm-hmm. You know, so And also proof those emails. Do a couple of test sends before you actually <laughs> yes. bulk send them out. I can't tell you how many emails I get that says, dear first name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that. Well, don't fill out forms with first name as your first name. I- all my personalized emails come in, hi, test at tester. <laughs> but it, it, it is important to do that. It's important to make sure from a database perspective, your first names are a capital first letter, lowercase, rest of the word. Because so often you say, you see hi, all caps, the person's name, or just something that doesn't quite make sense. So make sure you have some fallback yeah. that's not idiotic. Don't yeah. say hi, traveler. You know, just remove high whatever completely and just have the start the of your right. Most platforms today, you know, Fuel Mail, which is our email platform, it, it does this and a lot do where you can have rollbacks that are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just replacing it with a default phrase like traveler or hey, guest you. generic. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guy. Um, yeah. So definitely be smart that it works for everyone because you're not going to have the first name of every guest. Try to get that. That should be your goal, but don't. that doesn't mean you shouldn't send it to some people just because mm-hmm. you don't have their first name. Yep, absolutely. All right. So, Pete, I've already done the basics. Well, then you're ready to move on to the advanced. Oh, I'm so, intrigued. Next level. Yeah. So advanced personalization is, it does get complicated, hence it's advanced. But it's going to be things like real-time pricing and availability at your property. It is going to be completely tied into that guest past stay and letting them know, hey, that oceanfront suite is available for this price and there are two units left. Where it's tying in real time to your PMS to show that inventory. Yeah, so this dynamic data, right? This is not just you can pre-populate it by selecting a field from the database. This is where you're often pulling data from a third-party source, which which can be tricky, depends on the platform you're using and, and the partners you use. You know, can you pull data out of the PMS or your booking engine? Or, you know, an example you gave here was weather. You know, can you pull right. weather information, things like that? Because what's important there is if that person opens the email one day, let's say it's a week before their stay and it's your pre-arrival message, and it says, oh, the weather's going to be fantastic. When they pull that message up the day before they travel, an advanced personalization, when you get to that level, the weather is going to be up to date still. So if they decide that it moved in, it's going to be rainy, it's going to say, bring a coat, it's supposed to be rainy, whatever else it might be. But, and you can set those so that the, the content is constantly updating, no matter how many times that the user clicks on a message and reads it, which is pretty exciting because, like, so for instance, we talked about the example of the oceanfront suite still being available with two left. Well, what happens when that user wants to buy it but they waited a week and it's not available. By swapping out that content, you can say, you know, too bad, you missed it, but did you know that there is an oceanfront penthouse for just $10 more? And there's only one left, so you better hurry. <clears throat> yep. Fear Act of fast. missing out. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and there's some tools out there to help you with that, right, that we, we, we've used and tested in the past with some of our clients to help you with dynamic content. Yeah, there's a few out there. I mean, one really interesting one that I've been 
following is Movable Inc. And they do have a lot of platforms that allow you to drop in content and have it update after the send, which is nice. It's completely ESP agnostic, which means it will work on, you know, fuel mail, Mailchimp, right? Exact target, whatever you're using. So, and there's a lot of great systems out there. Make sure that as you go down this road, you've first done the basic stuff because now we're starting to get into some intricacies of the time involved really putting out some hard cost of these different systems. So make sure that you're first checking all the boxes on your basic personalization before you jump into that. Absolutely. Yeah. But you, I mean, you can definitely see the value when you get dynamic and you stop providing real value in real time. One of the other things, and and this isn't really personalization, uh, but it can be dynamic is if you're counting down to an event of some kind, um, it could be the person's stay. It could be, um, something going on at property. It could be the expiration of a, a deal that you're promoting, but having that real time countdown. So every time they open the email that actually shows this seven hours, 30 minutes and 12 seconds left, and they sit there and watch it tick tock down, that can be a really compelling mm-hmm. uh, motivator for someone to, to perform an action as well. And that, that's one thing that we've done countless times, specifically with our clients and those countdown timers. It's amazing how that improves not the open and click through rate, but the actual revenue generated Mm -hmm. from these emails. And it's amazing how much people procrastinate. If you do say uh, um, it's a special that you can only get up until this amount of time, say it's a Cyber Monday deal or something. When you do a countdown, people don't book it straight away always, Mm -mm. but you see an influx right before it expires. It's crazy. Especially if you do more than one send. If you've got a three-day campaign, that third day. Yeah, people always wait to the last minute. So it's good when you do do a a countdown like that. Maybe give a little buffer room. Tell them it expires at midnight Eastern time, but maybe let them continue to book Mm -hmm. for an extra 20, 30 minutes after that. Because, I mean, if they're going to book, they're going to book, right? You just, you don't want to cut them off. Yeah, and, you know, we've done sales in the past where, if you book by this date, it's 35% off. If you book by this date, it's 30% off. And if you book by this date, it's 25% off. Yep. You know, so you're trying to get that urgency mm-hmm. and have the people book as early as possible for the best deal, but knowing that if they're, they do procrastinate, that they can you know, yeah. take advantage of a slightly lesser. Yeah, rate. and I'm looking around the room. Three of us are runners, pizza pretend runner. But <laughs> He's a biker. No, I switched to biking. Now. Oh, that's true. Yeah, haven't you seen him come in with the leather that's, chaps? That's <laughs> I'm gonna start wearing uh, pants from now. I don't know. Are there <laughs> bike meets like like there are running meets? But do you, do you, do they have the same pricing tier? Because every race I've ever entered oh has that gosh. tiered pricing where if you if you buy your entry fee by a certain day, it's whatever. Yeah, like a and year in advance, yeah. and it's not two hundred dollars to yeah. go die. Yeah. Any in, kind of on marathon. The side of the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a marathon like a year in advance is like seventy bucks, but then as it gets closer, which it still seems just obscenely basically. Yeah, all right. We're not going to rant about running. Can you just run the same thing the day before? Yeah, you just don't get a a bib and they don't keep your time. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. You don't get the camaraderie, man. Running is always about about running with a group of people. And it's great for me because I'm a slow runner, but by the time I get to the finish line, all my friends are waiting for me. (laughs) And by all my friends, I mean like the two people I run with. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So anyway, talked about personalization. Yep. So So before we leave personalization, there's one tip that I need to share. And personalization is just as much about what you don't send as what you do send. And using exclusion lists is incredibly important. You know, people don't think about it as being personalization, but excluding people who have already made a booking at your property. So you don't send them the next sale of that's something that may be better than what they've already booked at is a level of personalization. Stop sending to people who have already booked unless that message is specifically to get them to either upgrade their room or you know add some you know, incidental services at the property. Yeah, that's a great point, Pete. And, and if you think about the major retailers, think, think about how many emails you get from Amazon in a week, right? And so, so many hotels come and say, you know, what's, how many times a week or a month should I send an email? You know, is it one? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four? Stop thinking that way. Stop thinking in generality. Start thinking about individuals. Like, are you providing, is each message providing value to that individual? And we're going to get into this a little bit with the trigger, the automation stuff. But you can send to an individual multiple times in a week if it makes sense for where they are in the journey, right? If I'm a hotel in a resort destination 
and that person typically is going to start researching around February. They're going to book in March. They're going to stay in June. From February to June, there's a lot of opportunity to send them a lot of different messages. But you know what? From probably, and maybe even in July, right, post day. But then when it comes to August to January, my my cadence of emails to that individual should shift completely because the, I'm not the biggest priority on their list right now because they're not in vacation mode, they're not in planning mode. So think about personalization, not just in terms of the content, but Pete's absolutely right, but in terms of the cadence, the, the frequency and the timing and the seasonality of when you send to an individual. So that does require a lot of omission of certain people for certain messages as well. Great oh. tip, Pete. There you go. The more you know. Yeah. So, well, that brings us to part two. And these are, this is, you know, a, you know break out the pen and paper type thing because we're going to give you some very specific email triggers that you can set up. They're also going to be in the show notes. Yeah, so. I was going to say, don't worry about pen and paper just because you're probably right running now. or doing the laundry or something yeah. while you're listening to this. So if you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 59, you're going to have all these notes yep. as well. So and this ahead. is also where you're going to start saving time. Because at the beginning of the podcast, we gave you some work to do. We just gave you some work to do with personalization. The triggered send part is really designed to create that personal level in relationship with your guest while taking the manual effort off your shoulders. So we're going to go through about six or seven very specific emails that you need to set up. If you don't have them, you need to set these up because in every instance that we've done, it has had a direct result in increased revenue and increased occupancy for every hotel we've used them. Yeah, this is not an exhaustive <laughs> list by any stretch, but these are, the, the to me, the minimum requirements of automated messages that you yeah. should be sending. So, and the first one is probably the one I think people forget the most, even though it makes the most sense, and that is the welcome message. I just signed up from for your list on your website through a contest, whatever it might be. Send them something immediately, if not a series of emails to get them warmed up to being on your list and to get them acquainted with your property. Yeah, it's a relationship. You know, you should show them the same hospitality online that you would show them if they were walk, walking into your property. Right. right. So it, it is a privilege that they have given you their email address. There was a reason that they did that. You need to acknowledge that reason. You need to um, reinforce and set expectations in the welcome but most of all you need to make them feel wanted like you you are really gracious in that they gave it to you and that you're going to treat their email with respect and that you would love to develop that relationship with them this is the dating process and this is a great place to to while you're warming them up go ahead and ask them some questions and get them almost to set settings for you about the frequency about what they're interested in maybe if you're have some type of specials for your birthdays or anniversary, not to overload them, but just to go ahead and start, you know, setting those expectations, like you said, Stuart, about how often they want to receive your emails and what they're interested in at your property. Yeah, look at the retail space. They do such a better, much better job than we do in the accommodations world. Bonobos is, you know, one example of someone who does it really well. I think Old Navy does a pretty good job too, because I used to get overloaded with their emails. And this was when I was going to unsubscribe, but they did give me the option to change my settings. And I stayed on their list because I was just able to adjust that. So I wasn't being overwhelmed. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, that welcome message is not going to be the one you can personalize the most, but you start down that path and you start building that relationship. So if it's not set up, go ahead and get that set up. Next one is... Yeah, it really depends on where they are in the process. They're going to be getting newsletters in this point of the process after they've gotten the welcome message. A lot of times those are going to be hard to trigger. So the next trigger that we're really going to look at is going to be the confirmation email. The person just booked, all your other marketing worked perfectly. They booked a room. Now what do they get? And that's really the big question is, you know, how do we personalize that message? What do we put into that message to make them not only open it, but then to take further action? Just to give you an example, for typical confirmation emails, we see a 70 plus percent open rate and a 25 percent increase or plus click rate. So people are not just opening these messages and seeing that they've successfully booked the room and leave. 25 percent of the time, at least you know for these emails that we've set up, which have a lot more than just your reservation number, people are clicking through and completing other actions. Things like 
opting for, oh, for $10 more, I can stay in this room versus this room, incremental revenue. Or would you like to you know, purchase breakfast for your room? Would you like to sign up for a kid's club or whatever it might be? You can do all this in that confirmation email and it will get performance. Here's the one thing I want you to take from this episode, if, if there's nothing else from this episode, other than that Misha does a killer um, impression of Julia Childs. But that is, when someone books with you, their stay begins. That is the beginning of their stay with the property, and you need to treat them as such, right? So the confirmation email, not only do they expect it, and, and over 85% of people expect an immediate confirmation email, and if you don't get one, they're going to let you know that they didn't get one. So you have to send a confirmation. But this is the perfect time for you not only to set expectations with the guest about when they get to the property and that opportunity to upsell and improve their experience, but operationally, you can save yourself so much time by communicating effectively with them. Like things like directions. What is the check-in process? What is the privacy policy? What is the... Um, check-in time how how do i park you know what other resources do i have and we'll talk about an app in a minute but educating them on everything you can so think think about all the questions you get so when someone's booked inevitably a lot of times folks are going to call your reservation center or your front desk and ask questions so try to knock those questions out try to cut down on the calls that you're going to get but really start, this is beyond just the welcome email where you're kind of starting to date. Now you're married. They've sealed the deal. They've booked with you. Now you really want to go to town and say, here's everything you need to know. And, and be a resource and a utility for them. And then share in their excitement. They're starting to anticipate the stay now. This is where a countdown can be really, really effective. And they'll keep coming back to that confirmation mm-hmm. email again and again if they, see a com- if they see it. Give them the opportunity to share on social media, stuff like that. So the confirmation email may be the most important email that you send. Absolutely. Next one is a pre-arrival. They're pumped. They are ready. They're pumped. In fact, they're so pumped that I, I pulled about 10 or 15 different properties before this podcast. And in every case, the pre-arrival email was a couple percent higher in terms of open rate and click-through rate. Higher than the confirmation. Higher than the confirmation. That's amazing. Wow. <clears throat> well, you're going on vacation in like two days. We You've should, already we should do a podcast out. about that. Yeah. I think oh, are, wait. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. I mean, they've already checked out of work. You know, they've already checked out of their day-to-day life. They're on vacation. They get this email. Your stay is ready. Well, even in a business context, too, I think sometimes we get stuck in the vacation mode. But for as a business traveler, you're going to want to go in and confirm that all your information is correct before your stay. So putting some other relevant information in front of them is always a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and don't limit it to one, right? The, the, again, that, that period between when they book, and it, it really depends on what that booking window is. You know, if they're booking three days before the stay, it's limited what you can send. Don't cram in 20 emails. But if they book six months out, it's good to send a trickle of information throughout that period, right? You want to keep them remembering. You want to keep them anticipating and getting exciting, excited. Try to collect information. You can collect things like what's your purpose for travel? You know, if you know that they're coming for an, a specific sporting event or show or attraction or something like that, that's, that's, so, that's gold, right, from a marketing perspective because now you can retarget them next year, things like that. But... Don't limit it to just one pre-arrival email. But when you do send pre-arrivals, make them useful. Give them information that's going to help them, not just, I mean, yeah, try to upsell them, but don't exclusively try to do that. Try to give them, like you said earlier, weather information, events that are going on, setting expectations again. Pre-arrival emails are really, really powerful. I mean, to your point, from the moment they make the book, the booking, they are now a guest at your property and their stay has begun. So if you're sitting there sending pre-arrival emails or only self-serving, you're not helping the guest, that's the impression they're going to get when they get to your property specifically. So make it, make it work. Give, give them something. Give them area events. It's a great place for personalization because now you know exactly when they're going to be at the property. It's only a couple of days away. Things like giving them the weather for the you know, upcoming week is a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's also a great opportunity to remember that these people – have already spent the money for the vacation in most cases in getting them to realize that instead of the oceanfront 
uh, standard room, they can go to an oceanfront suite for only a couple dollars more. You're going to see a real uptick in your ability to get upgrades at the property. Yeah, absolutely. There's another thing I've seen pretty cool on pre-arrival emails, which is introducing them to staff members. So especially if you already have your, your staffing schedule set and you're sending a pre-arrival maybe a day or two before the check-in, you know who's going to be there. Have photos of the people that are going to greet them with a warm smile and give them the names and maybe like a little blurb about them so that when the person comes into the property, they're already going to feel familiar with that individual. I mean, that to me is a great idea. I've only seen a couple of properties do it, but I thought it was really neat. That is pretty cool. And, you know, when you look at reviews on TripAdvisor or any other review site and how many people remember the staff names that made an impact, it's pretty impressive. And even, you know, just in restaurants, let alone hotels, you know, Mm -hmm. how many people actually take the time to write, so-and-so did a great job, blah, blah, blah. He was awesome at customer service. So being able to introduce them ahead of time will allow them to even remember those names further. Exactly. And you can take it a step further, right? By giving them content information and stuff. So say, say you put the the people that are going to be on staff at the front desk to check them in. Also give the GM's name and content information. Say, we really hope you have a great stay, but if you have any problems whatsoever during the stay, here's how we can resolve it for you. Like give them a conduit because there's a lot of people out there that, are going to experience a problem and, and probably not going to vocalize it until they leave and then they vocalize it publicly on TripAdvisor. If you can head that off, and one way to head it off is to encourage them to let you know when they have a problem, I mean, that that's just win-win because the guest is going to have a better experience and you're going to have a better online reputation. So, Pete, what's the next type of trigger that we would recommend? Well, this is one that is going to depend on the booking system that you're using and if you have a mobile app, which we would recommend that you do, they're incredibly effective. If you don't have a mobile app, regardless of your property size, regardless whether you're independent or flagged, you should absolutely get a mobile app. And I don't just say that because we have a product, a mobile app product called Guest Express. I say that because the data is phenomenal in terms of what the engagement and the revenue. We just did a, a, um, a webinar this past week with Trust You and Stay In Touch. And you can you can go to the Stay In Touch website and see a recording of that. But we, we talked a lot about guest engagement during, um, during the stay and how effective it is. So go check that out. But you, you should at this point be, if you're not, you should be considering an app if you don't already have one. So assuming everyone now is going to get an app, what, what kind of messaging should we send? All right. So when it's time to check in, in a lot of cases for our clients, they're sending a app email and an express check-in email, either in the same email or, or almost back-to-back emails, probably about the day before. But what those emails typically say is use your express check-in, download the app, and then you don't have to come to the front desk. Using that as the hook to get people to download the app in addition to all the other things. But what they found is those emails have about a 50% open rate and a 20% click-through rate. For one property alone in the second quarter, it generated over 2,000 app downloads. Wow. Yeah, people are downloading the app. You know, we I was looking at stats the other day for some of our resort properties, and it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's insane. Say you're a 200-unit property, I mean, obviously you have more than 200 check-ins a week, but they're getting three, 400 downloads a week. You know, it's, it's, it's bananas. You know, people definitely, there's a demand for mobile apps and email is still the best, most effective way to communicate one-to-one with the guest initially. Once they're on property, I think I would argue that SMS or push notifications through a mobile app are a better way to communicate while they're on property. But prior to the stay, email is the number one. And email can really move the needle in terms of awareness of a product or a utility like a mobile app. So you should absolutely be sending that as part of your pre-arrival kind of drips. Mobile app dedicated message should absolutely be one. And sell the benefit of it. You know, Not only can you check in and avoid the long lines, but now you can use the app to enter your room. You don't need a key. You don't have to worry about getting locked out. Uh, you don't have to worry about your cell phone wiping your card and having to get a new card at the front because your cell phone now is your lock. Or your key. So there's a lot of benefits to a mobile app that you can sell that are going to improve the guest experience. So what's next, Peter? Well, the next one is that person has left the property. They've probably gotten a post stay at this point. So 
The post day email is, I would argue, one of the most important emails that this customer is going to get. And here's why. One, it lets them know that <clears throat> their stay is completed. You're thanking them for their stay. And you're also encouraging them at this point to go on to either their social media profiles, to go on to TripAdvisor, to leave their own review in-house within your system. But it's time to start getting that feedback and making sure that the guests had a great experience while you're also incentivizing them to enjoy the next day and, and, and start that booking process. Yeah, I, I agree. And my, my opinion on what should be in that post-stay survey has really evolved. Yeah, I used to be one, let's try to get as much data as we can. Let's try to get the review nailed down first, right? But I, I've kind of I've softened on that approach. And and I think looking at the success of folks like Flip2, who, who take a different approach where it's, you know, this person is still on the high, the euphoria of the stay and thinking about the memories that they created. So rather than going for how clean was the room, one to five, how friendly were the staff, one to five, and this is kind of very clinical um, set of questions, why not share with their excitement and their delight? And, and what Flip2 does is great because they just simply ask you to share your best memory from your stay in a single sentence and then a photo associated with that as well. And the open rates on those kind of messages are far, 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 and the response rate on those is far superior to a traditional one to five kind of rating thing. So do that first, but there's nothing stopping you doing multiple. Right, because you do want to solicit that feedback to know how you did your guest satisfaction surveys, but don't don't immediately do that. Maybe try to um, celebrate the stay first with a guest before you jump into anything more clinical than that. Absolutely. So, you know, coming from the post day, the person's left your property. They've gone back to their daily lives. We need to re-engage that property, Stuart. To your point. Once they leave the property and they're done, they're out of vacation mindset until a couple months before they're ready to travel again. What we found is very effective is doing a what we call a booking anniversary message. And this could be a true anniversary, which is what we do is a 30 days prior to their booking anniversary of their next day, not the day to stay, because hopefully they've already booked at that point, but 30 days prior to their booking and, and incentivizing them to come back and do another booking. What you're trying to do here is, one, get them to book at your property and get them to book direct, but also start the wheels moving in that person, that customer's brain of, oh, it's time for a vacation. I need to go ahead and get one done. Right. So especially if you're in a, a, a kind of destination where you get a lot of annual visitors, repeat destination, right? This is a great opportunity. So if, if I booked my vacation the previous year on February 1, then maybe January 1 of the next year is when I start sending those nudges to remind them that they booked last year around this time and go the go back to what we talked about at the start of the show with the personalization make sure that you're including information that makes it easy for them to make the decision right so you know what package they booked you know what dates they booked so automatically pull that data from your pms or your booking engine and say hey pete we know that you booked around this time last year here's a similar package in a similar room for similar dates We'd love to have you come stay with us again. And if you did what we did, said in the last um, triggered email where you've solicited a photo and a memory from their last vacation, sh stick that in there too, right? Because now you're saying, this is the great experience you had. You'd be crazy not to come and stay with us again because it was a phenomenal experience. So th this anniversary trigger to nudge people to come back to you is great because if you don't do that, they're probably at some point going to decide they want to go on vacation again. They may or may not remember your brand specifically. People have a very short memory span, right? But more likely, they're going to go to an OTA or to Google and start the whole research process again. Well, that happened with you on a, your yeah, we, soccer Yeah, we went to Sumter and I stayed at, and again, I forget what, what brand it was. I think it was Quality Inn. But um, I forgot completely where we'd stayed the year before, and I had to begin my whole search again. I couldn't find my confirmation email, luckily, but it took me like 30 minutes to find the property that we'd stayed at again. And I almost ended up booking somewhere else because I couldn't remember, even though we'd had a good experience. So don't assume that they're going to know and remember you and, and know how to get back to you. So you can help them by preemptively telling them and doing the work for them. You don't have to do any research. Here's the rates. Here's the stay. Remember your memories. Boom. Thanks very much. 
Yep. And then there's one other kind of anniversary message that you can do. We've tested this on a few properties and it's an OTA, what I call an OTA intercept message. 30 days after or prior to someone's booking that they book through an OTA. If your front desk staff is doing a good job in getting their real email address and their real profile, getting that into your PMS, you can then hit them with a message saying book direct next time and save and turn the OTAs into what they really should be, which is a lead a lead generation tool that gets the guest in the door initially, but then you convert it to an in-house stay. These messages don't get a ton of action because a lot of times it's either a temporary email address, the staff doesn't get them, or they just don't get interacted with. But what we found is, uh, I looked at one property who had has an OTA intercept program. In the second quarter, it triggered 988 emails, which is great, of people who stayed at the OTA, stayed via an OTA at the property. It didn't have a ton of activity. It had about a 4% click rate or open rate and about a 1.5% click-through rate. But that equals 11 people who were an OTA guest, went to the property, and would have begun the process of booking direct. This is a triggered sin that you set up one time, like Stuart, like you said, you set it and forget it. It would have generated 11 more bookings for you that you would not have had. Right. And, and, you know, depending on your ADR and the length of stay and stuff, that could be thousands of dollars a year that you're getting additionally from getting these people to book direct. And that's assuming that they would have come back to you anyway. They could have booked any other property, but assuming they would have booked again through the OTA, you're now saving all that percentage from the commission. But let's assume they wouldn't all come back to you. They would have gone somewhere else. So it, it can equate to thousands, tens of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars a year just by setting up a simple trigger and operationally training your staff to collect email addresses. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think this is great. You Your goal should be that you never, ever get an, a repeat guest staying with you from an OTA. Like every single guest that books with you the first time with an OTA, your mission should be to strongly encourage them to book direct the second time. And there's no reason you shouldn't. You can you can create compelling reasons why they should book direct. You can yep. give them incentives and provide more value. And when you do that, then you're going to be thankful for the OTAs. It's a great lead generation tool. It's a great way to get people to your property if you can harness those people and those leads correctly and turn them into your own. And I love this message because email, in the most part, is very cost effective and you are sending these to probably a very small and extremely targeted list. And even if the engagement is very small, it's better than zero. It's more money that you didn't have a minute ago before you sent that message. So why not go ahead and get it and build that relationship with that customer? Absolutely. hundred percent. All right. Next one. All right. So the next one is really the last email that we'll be sending to people who are made a booking and that's the cancellation message. Hopefully you never have to send this message, but inevitably you do. And when you send those messages, you want to set the stage where you can turn what was someone who had rejected the property for some reason into someone who comes back and books again. And that's really what we're trying to do with that one. Oddly enough, typically these emails perform fantastic from an open perspective. People want to make sure that the reservation was in fact canceled. So you see about a 55% open rate on these messages. But if you do it effectively and you really get that person engaged with the property, understand why, they canceled, we're finding about a four to five percent click-through rate to get the person back to your website, hopefully to begin a booking or changing their date or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, you never know why they canceled. So finding out is critical, right? Is it, is it rate? Is it timing? Did something come up? Are they one of these people that books multiple properties and then ends up canceling them depending on the cancellation policy, right? There's a lot of folks that do that. So uh, yeah, you wanna you want to learn at a minimum, you want to understand why people are canceling, right? That That's critical. But then is there an opportunity to, to tell them, hey, did you know that the rates are flexible? You can take a, you can apply what you'd already paid in your deposit to another stage, stuff like that. So you can be really creative with this to try to turn a, a no into a maybe or even a yes in this case. Okay. So, so this leads us to our last trigger, right? Which, which is to me one of my favorite ones, and one that the um, the retail industry does a great mm -hmm. job of, but the hotel industry doesn't do a particularly good job of. 
Yes, that is the ever-popular cart abandonment emails. You've seen them if you've ever attempted to buy something on Amazon and bailed on any retailer, you name it. That's why I own an Amazon dot right now. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) And they're smart about it. And it works, which is why they do it. So, you know, for the hotel industry not to take that cue and run with it is a mistake. And we have these set up for several of our clients. I know I said that a few times, uh, but it's very important to, to have a process like this in place and kind of to take a step back and explain how this whole process works. Anytime someone comes to a website and enters the email address, it could have been several months ago. It could have been the same day. What we're doing is we're setting a cookie on that user's machine with their email address associated with the cookie so that when they go through the booking process and they're in the booking engine and then they leave for whatever reason, maybe they got to the booking engine and immediately left. Maybe they looked at a room and then left. Maybe they put in their dates, looked at a room, was on the checkout page and left. We're sending them emails based on the step of the process they were in to get them to come back in. And if you look at the performance of it, now we're sending three different emails that they get to the booking engine, they go to the booking engine and select a room, they go to the booking engine, select a room and a date. Overall, they're averaging about a 50% open rate and a 25% click-through rate back to the part of the booking engine that they were when they left. So if you were looking at that oceanfront suite on you know August 17th, you get an email saying, hey, Stuart, did you know you left the booking engine? You know, there's only two rooms left that are in, on the oceanfront. You have them for a great rate for the 17th. Book it today. Yeah, I think messaging is really where you need to be as compelling as possible here because they did leave the booking engine for some reason. Now, they could be rate shopping. They could have thought your rates were too high or whatever it may be. But, you know, you, it's your job at this point to convince them to book. And this can be especially, especially effective when you pair that with other types of retargeting. So this is something that can also be done in a platform like AdWords, not to overwhelm people, but just to constantly slowly nudge them and remind them and convince them that it's time to book. Yeah. And to your point, you don't know the reason they didn't book at that point. It could have been rate. It could have been that they're shopping, but it also could have been that that kid just spilled a bunch of milk in the kitchen and they had to go clean it up. Right. So you don't know what's distracting them. And the, and the thing we do know about human beings, believe it or not, is we're very impulsive, emotional creatures, right? So it's not always rational reasons that we are doing or, or not doing a specific thing. So the fact that they're aspiring to travel is a great indication. The fact that they landed on your website is an even better indication, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of times when people stop the booking process because they've just decided, you know what, it's not worth me traveling at this point. But there's a lot of psychology you can apply to convince them to change their mind, right? To either say, you are going to travel. Use a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> These are the droids you're looking yeah. for. Like my right. favorite line when somebody asks me if I want to do something. I'm, like I'm, a lot of times I'm a yes or no person. But if somebody's like, hey, do you want to go happy hour? A lot of times I'm like, I could be persuaded. Like I feel like people are a lot more persuadable <laughs> yeah. than they want to let on. That's, a, that's an implied consent right there for yeah. sure. But, but human beings by nature can can be um, manipulated to do what you want them to do through psychology, right? That's why Booking.com does a phenomenal job with the conversion rate. That's also why psychologists make like a million dollars a year. <laughs> right. They tell you to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me your money. So this, this shopping cart abandonment is, is so powerful. But the key is getting email addresses because you can't really target them unless you get their email address. So having first-time visitor pop-ups or some mechanism to get an email in the first place. And it doesn't mean you have to be in that session. But what you want to do is collect the email address, cookie that machine. So if you ever get an email, whether it's from a pop-up or from a booking or whatever, you know that that's an individual. Now, there, there, are, there are complexities to this with multi-device searches and things like that. But again, this is something that if you set it up, you don't have to think about it again. It just runs in the background and makes you incremental money. So it, it's it definitely is, worth doing. And it gets better and better and better because typically that cookie that we have on the machine never expires. So if you have your data collection going for a year, two years, someone finally goes to the booking engine and leaves, you're gonna 
get that person's going to get a abandonment email, assuming they haven't cleared their cookies. Yeah. We've got properties that have been running this kind of program for several years. And you can see 20, up to 20% of the total visitors to their site are now receiving mm-hmm. some kind of abandonment. You yep. know, So, I mean, it can get big numbers. It starts incremental, but you're right. The longer you, you leave it, the more effective it can be. Yep. And it's also, it, in most cases, it's going to be one of your first chances to personalize content to that guest. Mm-hmm. So that guest knows that you want them to stay at the property. You know they want to stay in this room. And you know if they want to stay in that room, there's only two of them left. There's some urgency there. Mm-hmm. You know, use those tools to get them to book. Yeah. One thing I would say don't do, don't offer discounts in that. No. No. Uh, that's a slippery slope. When you start mm-hmm. training people that if they don't book first time, you're, they're going to receive a discount. No promo codes, that, that's, please. That's a terrible mm-hmm. idea. You know, Use basic psychology. Compel them through value. Uh, but don't ever discount in that that scenario. That is a zero sum game, and you're going to eat a, eat away your profitability over time. So don't. Well, do you, that. you typically, the reason that they're leaving is going to be a couple of things. It could be their kid, kid spilling milk. But if you look at the our kid's web, clumsy, that's the second time. He's I, done I know. That. Stop <laughs> spilling milk. Put a sippy cup on there or something. But you know, based on our website behavior study and the guest his, guest study, we know they're visiting an OTA. They're only visiting a couple sites. So they're shopping around and they get an email from you saying you can stay here. Here's why you book direct. That could be the thing that tips mm-hmm. you in the scale of in, tips in your favor. Yeah. And they're not booking on the OTA. Yeah. Or, or competition. Here's why right. you book with us. You know, look at our location. Look at our amenities. Look at our friendly staff. Whatever it is. Yes. Look at our sippy cups with lids. Yes. That's right. <laughs> we will prevent your son from spilling any more milk today. Solve the problem. Yeah. That's exactly Don't right. Don't cry over spilled milk, guys. <laughs> Dad jokes. Yep. <laughs> really, there had to be one. All right, so that that's the last one, right, Pete? That is it. So that, I mean, that's, again, not an ex- exhaustive list, but these are some things that we do for a lot of our clients to great success. So we want to share it with our listeners because we feel like everyone can benefit from those triggers and that personalized stuff. But email, don't forget your email. Everyone's so enamored with all this shiny stuff, whether it's programmatic, whether it's uh artificial intelligence and bots and AR and and VR stick to your basics. Email is a fundamental successful channel that you should be tapping into. Put as much money as you can into making sure that it's as good as it can be. Automation and personalization is something that everyone should be doing in 2017. Certainly before you even think about investing in any of these bright and shiny new things that are out there. So hopefully that helped you. If you would like to learn more about email marketing or anything whatsoever, come visit us online at fueltravel.com. Send us a little note in our contact form there. And then, Pete, where can they find you on the web? They can find me on Twitter at pdimao, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Melissa? I am on Twitter at M-A-Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Misha? You can find me at Marketing Misha. That's at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And you can check out the notes of this podcast at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 59. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Did you drink some lemon pledge before this podcast? I feel clean, sir. (laughs) 